Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is episode 14 of our Camden Cast. <laughs> Seventh Heaven Podcast. That's what it is. Um, in this episode, we will be covering um, season one, episode 14 of Seventh Heaven, which uh, is titled Seven is Enough, but we have a bit of like a disclaimer. So we are watching this on Amazon Prime Video. And it seems that they have mixed up um, episodes 13 and 14 of season one. Um, So we watched episode 13, I'm sorry, we watched episode 14, which is seven is enough, before we watched episode 13, just because that's the way it showed up in like the queue on, on Amazon Prime when they ordered the episodes. So if you're watching on Amazon Prime, um, this also, Seven is Enough shows up as episode 13, but if you watch anywhere else, like on any DVDs or on Hulu, or I don't know where else it is on the internet, um, you're gonna, episode 13 will be, up. episode 14 will be Seven is Enough, but on Amazon Prime Video, episode, episode 13, 13 shows up as Seven is Enough. So, so we've recorded this before. Um, we watch, America's Most Wanted, which is, which is episode, which is the real episode thirteen. So basically, we've just swapped those two, and we have not seen episode thirteen yet. Yet. So, the Google synopsis of this is: Eric's parents make their annual visit, and old tensions revive when an orphan comes up for adoption. So, um, what was your first impression of this? Okay, I have a few. One, this is my favorite episode so far. I, like, I honestly really love this episode. And not just, like, because it was so ridiculous and out there, like the Halloween episode was, which is one of the reasons I really like that one. But I genuinely was entertained. Probably not for why the show wanted me to be entertained, but I was entertained. Um, The other thing I noticed, which, um, Aaron, I don't know if you know, like, off the top of your head, but it kind of seems like they increased their budget in this episode or like maybe they got like picked up for a full season or picked up for another season so they got more money because we see new locations in this episode in this episode um there is a guest appearance by a viper seven um oh yeah which i'm assuming is a very expensive car yeah i've never heard of 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 that i'm not like i don't know anything about. yeah i'm not i don't i'm not like a car head i don't (laughs) (laughs) think that's what they're called but i'm not one of those yeah. Um, motorhead. Oh, know. motorhead. Yeah, that's yeah, what, they that what they call them. Yeah, yeah motorhead. Um, but yeah, it seems like uh, this was like a turn in like a lucrative direction for Brenda Hampton in the show. What an interesting observation. Um, okay, so I mean, my like watching it again, um, I enjoyed it better the second time through because I kind of when I when it came up on the the prime, I was like, oh, this episode. Um, but it's got, you know, peaks, valleys, um, I guess more peaks than valleys, but I, I only remembered the main storyline, which I did not enjoy. So, um, let's get into it. So as the Amazon, well, no, the Google synopsis tells us, we finally get to meet Eric's parents. As you know, we met Annie's parents and then we very quickly lost Annie's mother die. Um, and, well, well, the episode starts um, with them outside of the of an airport, we're assuming in Glen Oak, um, waiting for 
the Rev's parents to arrive. Uh, we learn that the Rev's dad, the uh, Camden kid's grandfather, likes to be called Colonel. And um, the Colonel's wife is Ruth. So we're going to be calling them Colonel and Ruth, just for the remainder of this episode. Um, we very quickly learn, though, that not many of the uh, Camdens are excited about this visit. Um, seem Nobody really wants to be there. The Rev is pretty scared. Um, and he seems to be excited, though. Or, like, not excited, but just... Optimistic yes. about the visit. Um, and then the kids are complaining about a variety of things, like this candy that the, the that Ruth and the Colonel bring, and I don't know other. Um, there is a line that I wrote down, uh, and it's the first note I have, which Lucy says. It's um, she's speaking about the candy, and she says it's as hard as a rock, and it doesn't taste good. <laughs> and yes. I pulled a Michael Scott and said that's what she said because that was almost like a giveaway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're complaining about the fact that uh, they don't like the candy, um, and like, like a bunch of other things about Luke. Yeah, and then we get the Colonel and Ruth coming out of the airport, and they are talking about how they can't believe that the kids like the candy because it's so gross. And we, aha, uh-huh, it's, like, just, like, a big miscommunication. Like, nobody likes it, but the, the kids pretend because it's, like, the polite thing to do. And then the, the the grandparents keep bringing more because they think the kids like it. So it's, like, a self-perpetuating, like, horrible cycle. Um, they A highlight of this, like, conversation between the Colonel and Ruth is that they call the uh, Camden children a pack of wolves, which... I yeah. really liked. And then they were like, oh, they go on so much about the candy. And then I think Ruth goes, well, those kids go on about everything. So they obviously have, like, a little bit of disdain for um, the kids, uh, except for Mary and, and Annie. I they think, really yeah, like. We, we get that idea. So anyway, that's the cold open. We have the opening credits, and uh, the Camdens arrive in the house. Um, there's... There's a subplot, which I'm just going to, like, get out of the way right now it's because it's thing. completely useless and pointless. Um, Annie, uh, as we know from, like, uh, like little hints from the show, from earlier episodes in the show, is um, a handy woman. And so she's, <laughs> <laughs> so she's working on, um, like, put, like in, implementing a clapper system in the house where things uh, turn on and off with a clap. Yeah, um, yeah we, I, I think people know what the clapper is. Right. So she claps, but instead of, like, doing whatever it was supposed to do, like, music comes on. Um, and there's, like, an interesting conversation where Annie goes, uh, we, we are still working out the kinks. But then, like, <laughs> the Rev, like, hurries up to clarify that it's the kinks in the system and not any other kinks. Yeah, that was such a strange... Um, so anyway, that's stupid. It keeps happening throughout the episode. We don't need to talk about it anymore, really. Um, uh, the Colonel and Ruth are trying to... Get away from the kids, and they're, like, running upstairs, and then they finally... It's kind of weird. Oh, well, Annie's like, oh, do you need me to show you your room? And they're like, no, we're fine. And then while they're still, like, on the steps, they don't even really, like... Have have a serious conversation with Annie. They're just like, oh yeah, and sorry your mom died. So again, it's good to see that the show is like a little bit aware of like this is problem like what families would do. Um, but also they're like, oh, how's your father? We need to send him some steaks, and then that's it. And I just wrote down like steaks and candy cure everything because I don't know that's what they're into. Magic so. healing steaks. Yeah. 
So my next note is yes, Colonel. <laughs> oh, it's, I, it's all right. So then we get the we finally get the Colonel and 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 Elder Ruth alone, and um the like the Colonel's talking about how he's like oh he's like oh what's the younger girl's name and and Ruth is like oh Lucy which is not the younger girl but whatever I guess she remembers who her namesake is which is Ruthie so. But uh, we, and he's very, like, we very quickly learn that the colonel hates Lucy. And this is what I think really made the episode for me because it just felt like the colonel Lucy's was like the worst and he's on board with it. He I he, the colonel has so much like disdain for this girl and also has like such great one liners and like actions throughout this episode to try to get away from her. Wait, wait, wait. So so the first thing he says is, well, once he finds out that her name is Lucy, he's like, oh, I thought she'd never stop going on about that knucklehead boyfriend of hers on the way back from the airport. So, um, you see, not a fan of Jimmy Moon either. He doesn't swoon for Moon. No. So... All right, so they, we learned that, and it's great. And <laughs> we also have, so they, we also, again, um, it's repeated that they like Mary and Annie, saying that Annie's, like, a hard worker, and they say that Mary has enough salt to make, make jerky. jerky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could make another that's what she said joke, but I won't. I hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can figure out what I meant. So... Then we see the colonel kind of putting his disdain for Lucy into action because for some reason on their vacation, um, the first thing Ruth and the colonel, like Annie thinks that Ruth and the colonel want to go to the hardware store. So she goes up to see them, you know, in their room and she's like, oh, I'm going to the hardware store. Do you want to come with me? And then Lucy overhears it, and she comes out into the hallway where they're all talking. And as soon as the colonel sees that that Lucy is interested in going to the hardware store, he immediately turns around and tries to go back into the bedroom. And, and like, someone is like, where are you? Like, they, they kind of just, like, call him out. They're like, what are you doing? Um, and then Mary kind of pops out, and she, she sees what's going on. And she's like, oh, I'll go to the hardware store basically to act as, like, a, a distraction or a buffer. Well, um, from actually, Lucy. Mary has a pretty great line in this in this like specific uh, scene. So Lucy um, is like, "Oh, I it, I want to get more of a chance to talk to you," and um, Mary responds by saying, "Well, I'll go." So there's actually some like there's actually somebody talking like you're actually so- talking to someone. <laughs> yes. Um, so they go to the hardware store, um, and the really like uh, they're. Lucy's talking about Jimmy Moon, and clearly the grandparents like are, math or something. Yeah, are in distress because Lucy's been talking about Jimmy Moon the entire time. And again, Mary killing it, hands um, duct tape to uh, Elder Ruth and says, I think one role should be enough, yeah. I guess, to shut Lucy up. Um, and then we have another callback. Um, I just want to say that I said this earlier, or I had a, like a vague idea remembering that this happened, and I was told that I should write like fan fiction about it, or like I had made this up, but I did not make it up. So while Annie is buying whatever she's getting um, at the hardware store, she looks up and the cashier is wearing a necklace, and it has two rings on it, and... Um, I, I think Annie compliments her on it, and then Lucy and Mary are like, wow, Mom, those look exactly like your rings. And Annie's kind of, like, adamant about being like, oh, no, but those aren't my rings. And then she explains to the cashier, like, my son and I were robbed 
uh, a few months ago, and and they took my wedding rings, and they they look like the ones that are on your necklace. And this woman's like, oh, my husband. <laughs> this is also kind of a weird story. She's like, my husband could never afford to get me a wedding ring. And my son gave me this because my husband is passed now. And it means a lot to me. So this woman's like, oh, I got this as a gift a few, like a month or two ago. And it really means a lot to me. I think we're supposed to like have sympathy for this woman. Um, it's, but it really but it, fell flat. Yep. I just, I felt nothing for her. I was like, those are stolen rings. <laughs> um, so the next thing we have is one of these new locations that I mentioned in my first impressions is uh, the Rev and the Colonel in the Rev's office at church. I didn't realize this was the first time that the Rev's office appears, but it's different from what it is in later seasons. I think for the first season, it was a pretty standard, just like kind of like wooden walls. I don't know. So um, another callback here to uh, Julie the alcoholic. Um, the, uh, the colonel is asking about how Julie's doing. And we kind of, like, pick up here that the colonel and his kids do not have a very good relationship with each other. Um, the Rev is kind of um, still angry and resentful, I guess, about about his upbringing. Um, we get little uh, and, inklings and of it. And also, what I wrote here was that... Um, that the colonel is, does in this scene kind of what the Rev does in every episode, which is he's telling the Rev, like, oh, this is how your kids are, like, he seems to have a problem with all of the kids except for Mary, and he, he's he's got this list of complaints about all of the kids, about Matt being a rebel and Lucy being desperate for attention and that, like, Simon and Ruthie were going to become brats. Um, so basically he does what the Rev does and he's like, oh, you're raising your kids incorrectly. This is how you need to do it. And the Rev, of course, does not take lightly to this, but like, I'm sorry. So I guess like the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. Right. And like going back to these diagnostics, I mean, I don't think diagnostics, these diagnoses, (laughs) um, so I don't, like, I don't see, and you've said this like multiple times, I don't think his, um, like diagnosis of Matt is correct i do think his lucy like is completely on point um from the way the from the snapchats i've seen of future ruthie oh yeah i could see her as like a her and simon kind of are brats (laughs) so you know what pretty on point um other than like matt um brenda hampton was ready for the long run she knew who everyone would be but um, yeah this fake the, the fake rebel thing with matt like he gets in trouble for doing like, things to help other people. Like, he covers things up for other people, and, and, and it always ends up, like, being... Like, he should just stop doing nice things for people because he always gets in trouble for them. So this war of observations between the colonel and Rev kind of ends with the uh, with the colonel asking the Rev how many people are breathing in the room. Rev goes, uh, two, and nope, you're wrong. Just because behind a, a rack of choir robes, there's a, there's just a dirty boy. <laughs> we don't mean that in the fun sense. No. We dirty. mean that in the sad sense. Like a dirty orphan boy. And we know he's an orphan because he introduces himself as... George, the orphan. And that is what the main storyline is of this episode, really. So I don't exactly... Like, we get to this point where, of course, the Rev and his this bleeding heart, he's like, oh... You got to come live with us. And the, I just wrote that, like, once you pop, you can't stop when you're inviting strangers to live with you. Because You now said that from the last we've episode. Got it, we've got it back to back, except 
in real life, it's not back to back because of the way we watch this. But he's now he's just inviting some more strange kids to live with the family, which never ends. Um, we learn um, that this is the twelfth, like he's left his twelfth foster home. George the orphan has. George is nine years old. Um, he's probably not going to get a- adopted anytime soon. So they ask him to stay for the weekend. Uh, so because the parents are staying over, and now we have George and a- another addition to the uh, Camden household. The uh, sleeping situation is all up for grabs. Well, we didn't say this. Um, the Colonel and and Elder Ruth are in Annie and the Rev's bedroom, and Annie and the Rev are in Matt's bedroom, and Matt's on the couch. But also, for some reason, they kicked Ruthie out of her bed for the dirty boy. <laughs> um, there's a scene in between uh, where there's animosity like, out of nowhere, between Simon and uh, Dirty Boy George the Orphan. Um, I think that's just because they're, like, the same age, and, like, Simon's like, oh, there's only room for one nine- to ten-year-old boy. In this household. Um, We're not really going to get into it. It's a pointless scene. Um, What we do have next is, um, like, the the next relevant scene is... The Rev and Annie in bed together. And, and Matt's, like, double bed. or like It's it's, only, it's, it's like not a, a twin, twin bed. It can't be a twin bed. There's too much room, but there's not that much it's room. Like, you know what it is? A it's full a, bed? It's a twin XL. It's, like, it's the beds you have in dorms and colleges. Like, your first, well, your the, freshman year. Well, those are, like, no, those are extra long. They're not wider than a normal bed. Oh, okay, fair enough. They've just got extra, like, leg room. Um, so I, I would say it's, like, a full, a full bed. I don't know what those look like. But there's enough room for both of them. Like, they're pretty much to the edge, but they're both laying, like, shoulder to shoulder. Um, And I just wrote down a quote that uh, Annie says to the Rev, oh, you said this would be be romantic. And she's talking about sleeping in their 16-year-old son's bed. Like, what did they think was going to be romantic about this? I don't... I don't follow Annie or Rev, but then the Rev kind of is like, oh, I was lying. I just wanted to make it seem more appealing than it was. And then... The crux of the scene really is... Sexy parents. Well, no. All right. This is the crux of the scene. We'll get... The crux of the scene really is that um, the Rev is thinking about adopting George, and then they decide to adopt George. That's really what happens in the scene. Yeah. Um, And then there's a bit of, like, sexy parents. Sexy parents. And, um, but then the Rev immediately puts an end to it because he's like, my parents are down the hallway. And Annie says something about, like, what are you, 12? <laughs> because apparently the Rev, <laughs> even though these are religious people and he was not having sex with anyone until he was married, when he was 12, I don't know what was going on. Lady killer. <laughs> and then we cut to his parents tearing it up in their bedroom <laughs> okay so um the, the colonel has this habit of smoking his cigar um this is the second time we see him smoking his cigar indoors and he's in bed and um i was gonna say lady colonel walks out but <laughs> elder ruth walks out in i mean it looked like a like a kimono yeah it really like did. a silk kimono and she poses she has a sexy pose and says in a very, you know, sultry voice, uh, are you ready to play? And the They're ready to goes, work out the kinks. Am I ready to play? And I was actually really excited for some old love back on this show. These grandparents really know stop, how to, stop, stop, how stop, to get it on. Stop. But you know what they're playing? 
poker. Yeah. And um, there's somebody, uh, George is like, George walks into this scene as well, also well, wants yeah, to play like poker. They, they, they hear a knock at the door and they're like pissed because they think it's one of the Camden kids. So they're like, God damn it. We can't ever escape them. And then it's George, and, and he's like, oh, deal me in. Wait, before um, before the, before the George walks in, you learn that um, the colonel got the name Colonel because he fought in the, as he likes to call it, the Korean, Korean War. War. Um, and they like- met because uh, Ruth, Elder Ruth, was his nurse. Um, there's actually when a, he a, had a really mustard gas in his lungs. And a bullet in his spleen. Yeah. Wait, there's a line, though, he says about, like, Lucy and how he'd rather do all of these things at war than oh. like spend any time with Lucy. Yes. Um, right. I just wanted to point that out because like these these two people Lucy's the worst. Really dislike Lucy. Um, there's actually a great and Lucy. these two people really dislike Lucy. <laughs> um, so yeah, George comes and plays, and we learn that George is is, pl- is playing the Camdens. Kind he's of. A, he's a dirty boy. <laughs> he's a street kid. <laughs> Street kid. He's a, um, and he, he he's a street uh, urchin. Yeah, the and and the colonel like sniffs him right out, and he's like, "Oh, um, I know what you're doing. Like, like you saw my son. He's a sucker. Like you, you targeted him because you knew he's gonna like take you in." So, and, and George is like, "Yeah, you, you exactly caught me. Did. That's exactly what I did." And I, you know what? I really enjoyed this scene, like on its own, without any of like the ridiculousness the, the added family? on. Yeah, I. <laughs> I I like the dialogue. I like the like quick banter in between all three of them. It was I appreciated it. I would maybe for like a half hour watch a show of just them and then probably be sick of it, but I would do it. But but this is where the episode starts to take. Oh, and and I have to say, but even before George comes in, Ruth and the Colonel are like, oh, they're probably talking about adopting him right now because of course we just saw Annie and the Rev talking about adopting. George, so it's all just falling into place for George. Um, and then after the scene where George, Ruth, and the Colonel all play poker, this episode takes a turn for, like, the worst. <laughs> well, um, another of the new locations pops up now. So this is the garage. Uh, this is the first time I'm seeing the garage. Um, there's a family meeting going on, and the Rev and Annie are le- telling the kids that they want to adopt George. Um, WB product placement, Ruthie is wearing, like, overalls with Sylvester on them, so... And earlier on, she was wearing Tweety Bird slippers. Yes. Um, and the children are not happy about this. Um, Except for, like, Ruthie, like, kind of, like, wants... For some reason, wants it, and then Matt is kind of just... Keeps quiet. Um... And then we find out why, because it cuts to, like, a scene of him and and Mary. Which has a weird undertone of incest. (laughs) Yes. Um, They're talking about how they're, like... Well, Mary is angry at Matt for not speaking up against this adoption idea at the family meeting. And Matt's like, oh, don't you see? If they adopt George, um, Ruthie is going to get jealous because she's gotten so much attention so far. So mom and dad are going to have to pay more attention to her. And then Simon will be jealous. And then, like... Lucy always needs more attention than everyone. So he basically was saying that the parents will be so busy with the other kids if they adopt George that um, him and Mary will have time to like to, to be free to do whatever they want, I guess. But it's like said in a very like flirty way. It's just was yeah. very uncomfortable. And, and even though they have not adopted George yet, Matt's like, 
oh, we, we'll have time to do more stuff, like take the car out for a spin. And Mary's like 14, and he's like, I'm going to teach you how to drive. So, I mean. You know that that's. We that's all some- know that they're, gonna, they're Camden kids, so they're going to get caught. Or something is going to happen to that car. Um, what we have next is another scene of the Colonel and Elder Ruth really letting us know that they dislike Lucy. Uh, Lucy, like, I guess, tries to apologize about talking so much, um, but it doesn't play over well. Yeah. And she, like, runs away. And and she does the same thing she did in the first episode when she's in the closet. I'm, I'm going to get to that okay. in a second. But um, there's a line from Ruth, uh, El- Elder Ruth to the colonel where she says, I wish I knew what that girl wanted from <laughs> us. But of course, I mean, isn't it obvious it's all Lucy ever wants? It's desperation for approval from anyone who, like, seems to dislike her. She she just needs to be liked by everyone. And on this annual vacation to Glen Oak from New York, it looks like the... um, Colonel and Ruthie have found... Oh, not Ruthie, sorry. <laughs> the Colonel and Elder Ruth have found their favorite destination, which is the hardware store, because that's where they're going again. Uh, so they're off to the hardware store. Yeah, they ask to borrow a car so they can go to the hardware store um, um, so they can fix up the Camden's busted-ass clapper. And then this is what we get. <laughs> yeah, but Lucy was wrong. I was almost going to say, like, oh, props to her. But, of course, she's the worst, and she's lies. So Annie goes into Lucy's room, and Lucy's crying, and then she, Lucy sits herself down in her closet so that Annie can come and talk to her there. Reminiscent of the first episode, exactly like you said. Yeah, and she's crying, and, and then I don't know how it gets resolved. Like, Annie's Wait, like, oh, we, the grandparents do love you. He go, she goes, oh, like, the colonel would... Um, like, get run over by a car for you. And I was thinking, he'd get run over by a car to avoid her, but and not... Then, and, then, and then Lucy is, she's like, well, the colonel would get run over by a car for fun. <laughs> He's uh, into danger play. Yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> in the true life. So... But this uh, this scene is where I where it was... <laughs> so then, so Lucy just goes like, well, I'm glad you're going to get your rings back to Annie. And, and Annie was like, what? And she was like, well, that's why... Obviously, why Grandma, Ruth, and the Colonel were going to the hardware store. They're going to get your rings back. So, like, the whole family, well, just Lucy and Annie run out to the hallway, and then the Rev is like, what's going on? And then Annie kind of relays everything that, that Lucy just said, and and the, the Rev is like, and you've made them mobile by giving us, you know, uh, the, the car, giving them our car. So side, So the next scene, we have to kind of cut back to... Something we've kind of glossed over. Because it was stupid. So Simon and Ruthie were playing in this cardboard box that they, like, shaped like a car. And while they were doing it, George, you know, being street smart, was like, oh, that's so stupid. You know, I, I, I already, I know how to drive a car. I know how to hotwire a car, foreign or domestic. And Simon is, like, kind of like, I think you're full of shit. So he, he calls him out on it. And, and, of course, you know what happens. Dirty boy, orphan George, needs to... Um, prove himself, and he does. He breaks into the car. He doesn't hotwire it. So, of course, uh, Simon, Ruthie, and George are sitting in the car as the Rev, Annie, and Lucy are running down For some to... reason, Mary and Matt are also there. 
they join them as, as they're all running out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have look out well, well Mar- um, so, so Mary and Matt had gotten back from their little joyride as the Rev, I'm sorry, as the Colonel and, and Grandma Ruth were going outside, like going out, so maybe they were just near the door when everybody was. Which is when we learn also that um, apparently there's a scratch on the car now. Yeah, Ma- Mary, Mary hit something while she was driving. So, a mailbox. Yes, a mailbox. So she hit it in the same car that um, Simon, George, and Ruthie have broken into. So the whole family's in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> and the Rev is like, tells, you know, Simon, Ruthie, and George to get out of the car. And he's like, oh, we'll punish you later because it's urgent. He needs to, you know, intervene at the hardware store. So um, as, Actually, only the Rev goes. Yeah. So as the Rev is driving away, we get a peek at, like, the damage that Mary did. This is not a scratch, guys. It was a very low mailbox <laughs> because it's on, like, the front bumper. So it's, like, a giant – it looks like they, like, hit, hit a curb. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> It actually looks like when I um, was parking in a garage and and accidentally hit the pillars instead yeah, of like right. It, it's it's so like it it it's not a mailbox. But while while the rev is backing out, like Annie for some reason leans to the it's on the opposite side of the car that they're standing on. She like leans f- over to like look at that side of the car, and Matt pulls her back. But um, whatever. So Rev gets to the hardware store. He's just walking around with a plunger, trying to be nonchalant. And he goes up to Emma, who is the cashier from earlier with the necklace, and is like, oh, have you seen an extremely intimidating man and an arrogant woman with perfect posture? Well, the uh, the intimidating man had white hair. Oh, yes. But I, I still, it just what, was, what an odd way to describe your parents. Right, exactly. She um, has not seen them. They are not in the hardware store. And she, made this, she makes this weird comment about, and I would have noticed because I've been noticing couples lately because my husband, like, she's telling everyone, strangers at work. Yeah. She's like. At the hardware that's store. That's like if I went to the grocery store and, like, there was some person was like, you know, I've been noticing people that buy milk a lot because my husband died and he loved milk. Like, just <laughs> just making uh, making people uncomfortable <laughs> in, like, inappropriate spaces. Like, talk to your friends or family about this. Or maybe, Not every well, single person that yeah, comes on your, right. like, cashier she's, line. She's told everyone who she's, like, rung up so far about her husband's death. Again, I think this is try to get sympathy from the audience to try to understand why this woman just won't give the goddamn rings back. Right, because it's pretty clear everybody's like these these are Annie's rings. Yeah, like it's yeah. What um, are the odds that the two like both of them would be together on this woman's necklace? Um right. So we do find out where the colonel and Elder Ruth were. Uh they were at the adoption agency and they have decided to adopt George Yes, this, yeah, because there was, like, a, after, after Annie and the Rev, had, we kind of went out of order, but, like, whatever, after the Rev and Annie decided to do it, to adopt George, there was, like, a, a bit of, like, a blow-up between the Rev and... Well, not yet. Oh, it's after? Yeah. Okay. Well, what, the scene where the, where the Elder Camdens decide to adopt George is when they come to breakfast and the family meeting's going on in the garage. Um, they realize that, or they think that they would be better suited for uh, being George's parents. Because, because he's, like, rough around the edges and, like, dirty boy, and they see that there's some conflict going on with the Camden kids, especially Simon and, and Ruthie, who are, I guess, just more easily influenced. So 
um, they're starting to see that, like, this isn't, like, a good match for the Camdens to... Also, I called that, like... Pretty yeah, quickly yeah, into yeah, the episode. Yeah, you, you need to stop. You need to. <laughs> I need to stop knowing exactly what's going to happen. Um, right. So, I didn't realize the show was so predictable. <laughs> so they've they're adopting George. Um, great. Uh, there's a like a line here that the reason that this adoption is going through so quickly is because the colonel was is old pals with the governor. He says um, we knew each other when we were pups. Yeah, they went through, like, basic training together, and I confirmed this, the current, the governor of California at the time this episode aired actually was a Marine, so I guess, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) The very next scene, um, they are coming home, they come home with ice cream and cake, as I guess, like, to placate uh, the Camdens for them being away all day. Um, also, side note, they leave the ice cream out. They do not put it in the freezer. Also, when, when they come in, the Rev freaks out. He's like, where have you been all day? Like, if, like, like it's not his like it's not his father. <laughs> so they break the news very quickly that they were at the adoption agency and that they're going to adopt George. And this is why I've spoiled this. Yeah. This is when they have this like blow up about parenting skills and the Rev is like, oh, you didn't nurture us enough. And this scene like really annoyed me because they obviously this is like a fight that's been going on that that's been needed to have like needed to happen like for a long time. But like this is about George's future and they not once in that scene considered what George might might want. And George is seen eavesdropping on this entire fight from uh, what will become Ruthie's favorite spot to eavesdrop the kitchen stairs. So. First, this is the first utilization of the kitchen stairs to eavesdrop because apparently it's a real great place to hide and hear everything. Everything just echoes right up the stairway. And this seems like a great time to do a little 90s fashion break because Dirty Boy Orphan George is... Number one, uh, he has a mullet. And that's well, okay, just... number one, he has a mullet. Number two, he is wearing a plaid vest and then he has a plaid like flannel long sleeve shirt Tied around his waist. Ah, it's tying like, stuff I, around your waist. I don't know. Is this like a prelude to like, Hey Arnold? That's what it reminded me of. It, yeah, it was like Gerald's outfit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no Arnold art Arnold. outfit. I don't know. I thought all right, whatever. Um, also, just you know, while we're having this little break, uh, the actor that plays Dirty Boy Orphan George um, is I forget his name. It's Sam Saletta, I think. But he is from the Little Rascals um, movie, uh, which was the ni- the ninety four release, not like the release from the black and white days. Um, he plays one of the the villains in the movie Butch. He also went on to have a very successful career career at Nickelodeon. Yeah, Nickelodeon basically... Um, Yeah, he was in, like, Rocket Power. He did some voices for Recess, as told by Ginger. He was in the Disney Channel original movie, The Luck of the Irish, which is... Very much a child star. Yes. Um, But also, like, a minor role... Like, a child star with mostly just minor roles. Um, so back to the episode. Uh, so everybody fights basically. Um, and then George is like crying. He doesn't yeah. think he's going to get adopted by anyone. Uh, oh, but the one thing we do get hap- uh, that does happen in the scene because the fights don't get resolved just yet is that um, Annie somehow convinces Elder Ruth to play nice with Lucy, which really upset me because I really like the idea of them being mean to Lucy for the whole episode. It would have been so worth it. Yeah. Well, anyway, the way that Grandma Ruth decides she's going to play nice with with Lucy is she brings this, like, love letter that the colonel had written her. 
The first ever love letter. Yeah, and she gives it to Lucy, and she's like, don't show this to anyone ever, and like, you know, whatever. You're like a romantic, so you might enjoy this, and you've got passion. You, you appreciate passion. Yeah. Which we know that she does because she, Dwight. Because she said that about Dwight. So um, she's all excited, and then as... First of all, she tells her not to... Well, Mary's in the room while this is happening. But immediately, as, as soon as Ruth leaves, like, her and Mary are, like, reading the letter. Whatever. It's stupid. We don't... Well, this we is about don't as interesting to... as the Clapper storyline. Yeah. Um, as this is happening, George runs into uh, the Colonel and Elder Ruth's room and is crying and he's upset and he's like, where and are they're, you? Yeah, they're, like, packing to leave. And he, like, finally gets to voice his own choice and say that he wants to go with them. But the colonel's like, nope, you know, the, you sh- he's better off with the Rev. Yeah, he totally just changes his mind, and he's like, no, you know, the, the Rev is going to be, like, a good fit for you. And, of course, the Rev is, like, eavesdropping outside of the door, hearing his father talk about what a great father he is. So what a touching moment, right? Uh, <laughs> um... But uh, the next morning comes along. I'm pretty sure I'm not skipping over anything here. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and it's time for everybody to leave. And Grandma, Ruth, and the Colonel are saying goodbye to all the kids. And Annie and the Rev are, like, missing. Well, first, Lucy hands the letter back, does the one thing she wasn't supposed to do. Right. It's, like, right in front of the Colonel. And she hands it, hands it right back to... So, um, they're all saying goodbye, and they're like, oh, where are Rev and Annie? And they come in, and they've got these adoption papers. And George, who who has presumably lived in California all nine years of his life, um, is told, oh, you're going with the Colonel and uh, Ruth to New York, to Buffalo, and he just, everything is packed already, and he's just ready to go. <laughs> like, somehow, he's just uprooting. You know, not like, oh, he had such a great life there, but, like, I, I can't imagine that this is okay. <laughs> the other thing I just realized is they're there for three days, so presumably a weekend, because none of the kids... It was supposed to be a week, actually. Oh. Because they talk, in the, in, in the episode, they said something about, like, the next six days. When, when the kids are talking about, like, how are we going to get through the next six days? Oh, okay, okay. So it was but a week. But I don't, right, but it, it, like, takes place from, I feel like a Friday, like, from a Friday. But these adoption papers and all these things go through, like, on a weekend? Yeah, I don't know. I think they make it seem like, oh, of course it goes through because he's nine years old and he's in the foster care system. So anyone who will take him, we want to get him. And he's a dirty boy. So. We want to get him. We can get this dirty boy out of here. So anyway, yeah. So George is moving to New York. Will we ever hear from George again? Yes, oh, we will. We okay. do. Yeah. No, he's he's actually in the family now. Oh, just, all right. Luckily, we don't have to look oh, at. Oh yeah, him he's he's the Rev's new brother. Yes. So all right. So the one thing to wrap up the non-storyline that Simon had. Um, while they're all saying goodbye, the front door is open because like the taxi's there for. Uh, the Colonel, Ruth, and now George to go to the airport, which they don't even have a ticket for George. This is all pre-9-11, so I guess whatever, they threw him in, like, But I think we're meant to believe that cart. the um, Elder Camdens are there from money because they'd like to throw stakes at the situation. Right. No, no, no. I, I do think, but, like, I, I think it's just a little bit oh, short, yeah, of short course, notice of that they're like, oh, we have a child now. So while they're all saying goodbye, this man shows up in a sparkly suit... Sparkly red suit. And he's like, is Simon Camden here? 
And we find out that Simon, who throughout this whole... The, the reason he was playing in a cardboard box and pretending it was a car is because he entered this raffle to win a Viper, which I don't know anything about cars. I don't know it's if It's a Viper 7. Is that a real car? I don't I'm know. I'm pretty sure it is. What the model... Like, okay, the way make... What the make is, because the Viper would be the model. Who knows who makes the Viper? Um, and then the guy's like, oh, you don't look like you're 18, so you can't win this car. You're ineligible. And Simon is like, it's okay. I just... The whole episode, he's convinced he's going to win the raffle because he's like, I have supernatural luck. If I were a superhero, I would be... Lucky man. Lucky man or something stupid like that. So he's like, oh, it's fine that I can't win the car because this was just like an exercise in how lucky I am. To show you that I have these powers. Yeah, so then the... The Rev was just... The Rev is like, oh, I want to drive this car around the block, and that's how... And the But the man, like, the red-suited red, red suited sparkly oh, man... Right. ...is like, no, you can't do that. Like, but then apparently the colonel is so scary, and he, like, incites so much fear that the man's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll let your son and your grandson drive the car. Or, well, I'll let your son drive the car, and your grandson can go in. Yeah. And the, um, the, the episode ends with them driving down the suburban Glen Oak Street... In this red sports car, like really very fast. out of place. They they're probably children playing in that neighborhood. Not a good idea. But yeah. So that was it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it. Really, it started off so strong, and then it just. I like. I genuinely the, really really like this episode. I didn't like all the the arguments between the the camp oh, yeah, the, I, the rev and Annie, and then his parents were very. I felt like oh, I don't want to say forced, but we didn't do we didn't say one of the things that happened because it was so like stupid. Um, at some point, while all this chaos is going on with the 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 Camdens clashing against each other, um, Matt goes to the hardware store and <laughs> oh, he somehow gets the rings back. Yeah, he like tells the woman that that they got robbed, and then. You don't actually see the resolution of it. He just gives the rings back to Annie. Yeah, because we're meant to... Th- so they, like, start this conversation, but they don't actually finish it, or, like, it, ha- like, finishes off air. But he's like, you know, my life is so different now, and I don't feel safe anymore because of what happened to me, and neither does my mom, and I would really like it if, like, I could, if I could, like, restore that safety, and I guess that works. I also wonder what we're supposed to... Wh- like, where are we supposed to think that this these... This woman got these rings. Did first of all was her son the like the man who robbed them because um she should know because he's probably like they identified him at the lineup and he's probably in prison now. He's probably yes right. So um, number one, if if she knew that, she should have been like, oh shit, sorry, here are your rings. Uh, Number two, this is like really implausible that he bought them at a pawn shop. And somehow decided to buy them both together. Like, I don't know, like, this is... I so, was really... So I really think that her son is, is like, in jail, and, and she's just like, you'll never get the ring. <laughs> My I was precious. Really, I was really hoping that, like, there was, like, a secret, like, complicit partner in, like, the robbery that we never saw, and that would be a part of this episode, too. But I guess you can add that to your fan fiction. I think the ro- the robbery is over. That, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that's played out because the rings are back now, and... They never talk about, like, Matt's trauma again. So... Well, he's safe now. He said getting the rings back for his mother would make him safe. So, they're the magic rings. Um, what do I rate this episode? Yeah, no, you're going to give it something absurdly high. Yeah, I am. Mm. 
Six. I'm giving this episode a six, which also reminds me, I think it's time. We're bumping, we're changing the rating system, yeah. Because Mary, um... Has been killing it. Killing it. The Very subtly, too. Yeah. She, she hasn't had, like, a, 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 a story a storyline yet, like, a really one dedicated to her since the kissing. She kind of had it with the basketball, but it really wasn't about her, wasn't it? She wasn't really in it, yeah. no. So she hasn't really had a, a, a story. Like, Lucy's had two. I would say Halloween and the one with the birthday, where it's just, like, all her all the time. Um, Matt's had a few. So Mary is, is like... A lot is being conveyed about her without her ever really uh, having, like, a storyline that's carried all the way through an episode or is, like, central to the plot. So. And I can understand why the Colonel and Elder Ruth like her so much. She's just... She doesn't give a shit. She does not give a shit. And that's why we're moving Mary up to the number six spot, and Simon's going down to five. Yeah. So, um, even though, like, our rating system is a little bit, like, skewed, because Ruthie hasn't done anything to earn her spot yet. We just know, like, I just know that she will earn it. So, yeah, so, so I the, give, I give how it stands now, uh, it's... So, wait, I'm just, like, doing it for myself. Lucy's one. Yes. The Rev is two. Annie's three. Matt is four. Simon's five. Mary, six. Ruthie's seven. Eight is Mittens. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) That's not not legitimate. There is no eight. So, anyway, I'm going to say that. I'm going to give this a 3.5 just because. I think this is the first time we've had a true disparity. Yeah, I I really did not like this episode the, the first time, and... I did, just those scenes were like just so hard to watch because it felt so, uh, like well, I mean it's television, so it is manufactured. But the conflict, the internal familial conflict, is like not something that like I appreciate in in these episodes. So three point five, yeah. I also feel like this episode kind of inverted the uh, Rev saves a day on its head because he didn't really like George manipulated the Rev. Yeah. Right. Instead I mean, of- he did try to he did try to save the day, but it was like because he was manipulated into it. But anyway, that's that. Sorry that the episodes are out of order on Amazon Prime. We will write a letter about that to Amazon Prime. So, okay. Uh, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Um, we are on Twitter at Camden Cast Show. Tweet at us. Uh, we are on Tumblr, camdencast.tumblr.com. Follow us there. You can... Uh, like us on Facebook, which we're just camdencast. Facebook.com slash camdencast. And then always remember, download, rate, subscribe, subscribe, review, leave stars, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your Facebook news feed, tell, I don't know, tell everyone you know, everyone you know, and people you don't know, people from the internet. Okay, uh, I'm Erin. And I'm Tanvi, and this has been Camden Cast. We will see you next time. I know there's no greater peace.